Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Goal to Go podcast. I am your host, Ethan Klesine, quarantining and socially distancing this spectacular Friday evening as we spend another day, the second episode, talking championship football. Oh my god, we made it, we're here. Cue the dramatic music. In a world plagued by a global pandemic, two teams overcome all the odds to reach the light at the end of the tunnel. Guys, I don't have dramatic music, okay? If I didn't go to college, I'd basically be running this podcast out of my mother's garage. So you know what? Let's let's just, just go with the flow. Yes. Yes, we have made it, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... We have made it to the end of the 2020 NFL season. And I know that may seem like it's, you know, just another, just another year, another NFL season, but this has been anything but any other NFL season. Like we have, you know, obviously, like I mentioned at the top, the global pandemic, um, a very controversial changing of the guard as far as the nation's leaders are concerned. Uh, I mean, for God's sakes, Tom Brady is playing on a different team. This is anything but the normal NFL season. And I think it's fantastic that we finally reached the end because who knew what was going to happen at the start of this? Like, I, I, I think I've mentioned that a couple of times, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think any of us can truly put it into perspective until it actually happened. Um, or happens, which it hasn't yet. Like when it it really would have sunk in if you know maybe around like you know for the first few weeks of the season, like through week five, week six, there were no issues with the coronavirus. Right, everyone was following the protocols, and I remember there was there was significant praise for the NFL Players Association, the league, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, um, about the. NFL, or I'm sorry, the coronavirus protocols that everyone put in place and that they were working, that no teams were experiencing any issues from COVID-19 and that things were going off on without a hitch. Uh, but then, you know, week six, week seven comes and we're, we're starting to see a little bit of the issues trickle in, right? Like we're seeing some of the, you know, people getting infected. There's contract tra- contact tracing, uh, tracing going on. And we, we really see the coronavirus actually having an effect on the NFL season. And, you know, some games had to be moved around. The Tennessee Titans had an issue early on. Um, and then they tried to practice without the NFL paying attention. And they got dinged for it. But what if what if those games that just got postponed, what if they got canceled? And what if that dominoed into other teams and other games getting canceled? Would, would this have gone to a Week 18, the season? Would we have maybe extended the playoffs like the NFL passed that resolution to say if that if we went past week 18 that we would just have to include two other playoff teams in each conference like that would have been such a colossal shift from what we're used to so I I don't really think that any of us can really put into perspective about you know kind of how we got to the place we're at I do think we are insanely lucky for having gotten through this NFL season, you know, with no issues, virtually no issues. I mean, the NBA, when the coronavirus first took hold in February or March, the NBA just stopped outright, shut down completely for about a month and a half to two months before they started up again. So for, you know, if I could speak for all football fans, I would like to say that, you know, thank you, NFL. Thank you. And thank you, fate, the NFL gods for letting us get through this season. 
If you are a regular listener, thank you again for tuning in for the second time this week. I released an episode two days ago on the 3rd of February of uh, just tracking the Deshaun Watson news, giving insight into the Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff trade. So if you guys listen to that and are tuning back in again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Today is February 5th. Uh, Friday, February 5th, two days before the Super Bowl. Uh, shout out to my boy Aaron. Happy birthday, my dude. Hope you're tuning in as well and had a great day. But yes, two days away from the Super Bowl. A lot to unpack here. A lot. There's a lot of things going on in this game. Um, but before we get into the nitty gritty, I want us all to just, and here's where I wish we had you know more music. I want us all to take a moment, to take a step back, and just appreciate the game that we are about to see on Sunday afternoon at 6.30 Eastern Time on the Columbia Broadcasting System, otherwise known as CBS. We are blessed for many things in this life, but for Sunday in particular, we are blessed, A, like I just mentioned, to have made it to the finish line and to the end of the NFL 2020 season. Shout out my boy JC. But also, B, we are blessed to have this type of matchup at the quarterback position for this year's Super Bowl. Let's 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 roll the dial back a couple of years. Last year, we had Jimmy Garoppolo versus Patrick Mahomes. Not exactly a star-studded affair. Yes, we got Patrick Mahomes and yes, Jimmy G was a big thing maybe, you know, 3-4 years ago, but he has obviously come down to earth a little bit. I mean, there are rumors of Kyle Shanahan wanting him out of San Francisco. It wasn't the best matchup in the world. Let let's rewind the clock you know, another 365 days from that day. The Rams versus the Patriots. We have Tom Brady, much like we do this year, obviously. You know, the GOAT. Resume speaks for itself. Against Jared Goff? That wasn't the best quarterback matchup in the world. Hell, let's go back like a decade before that. 2007, Colts versus the Bears. We had Peyton Manning versus Rex Grossman. The theme of that game is in that guy's last name, Gross. That's what it was. No, ladies and gents, we have Patrick Mahomes versus Tom freaking Brady this year. That is a fantastic matchup. I was talking about it a little bit at the end of my last episode, but we really could not have asked for a better matchup here. You could argue with me, oh, but what about Aaron Rodgers? I understand. There, there's an argument to be made about the Green Bay Packers quarterback, all right? The dude's going to be the MVP. But all in all, when you, you can't really beg for a lot, especially this year. What we got was damn good. You really can't beat it, especially with the surrounding cast members uh, surrounding both of these quarterbacks. But from a... From the team perspective, both of these teams are phenomenal. Both of them are averaging 40 points per game and 400 yards per game. I mean, there's not much else that we could expect out of this matchup, guys. So let's, before we even get into the game, before the game even kicks off on Sunday, just take a minute to just reflect on the situation and realize that we could have had a different matchup, but no, we we get the passing of the guard possibly between the guy who's going to go down in history as the best to have ever played and then the guy who could be his successor in the matter of 10 to 15 years. But let's stop filibustering around. Let's get into the details of this Super Bowl 55, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. On paper, looks like a great matchup, honestly, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
I mean, they are such a well-balanced football team. I mean, every phase of the game, they seem to be, you know, above average, if not excellent in. And a, a big part of that has been their defense. I mean, let's let's exclude the Tom Brady aspect of it right now, but their defense has been phenomenal. One year after having the outside linebacker that was leading the league in sacks, which was Shaq Barrett, they then go ahead and draft two guys in Antoine Winfield and Sean Murphy Bunting to really shell up that back end of their defense and then you add in the second year presence of their first round linebacker that they got uh, in uh, 2019 Devin White pair him with Levante David and they have a bona fide top five defense that can force any offense into making mistakes now that's all well and good but this is the Kansas City Chiefs this has been the most explosive team in the NFL since Patrick Mahomes took the reins on this quarterback position uh, three years ago. And what is what is so significant about the Kansas City Chiefs, especially this year, is that they've really had to change up their game and adapt to what the defense is giving them. And this year, more than any other prior year in the Patrick Mahomes era, that's meant that they've had to play that underneath to mid-range sort of game. Ever since Patrick Mahomes took the reins of this offense, they have been a deep ball passing game. And when you have Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman on the outside, I mean, shoot, as well as Sammy Watkins, why wouldn't you be? You have so much speed on the sideline, why wouldn't you utilize that? But now, teams are understanding that. Teams know that they are a deep ball passing game. Patrick Mahomes is better than almost any other quarterback at the deep ball. Opposing defenses have been lining up their safeties the deepest against the Chiefs than against any other team. So what does Andy Reid and Mahomes and this Chiefs offense do? They take what the defense gives them, especially in this postseason. The last two games alone, Patrick Mahomes has averaged six or fewer yards per pass attempt in back-to-back games, the lowest totals of his season since week one. I mean, the, the Buffalo Bills and Cleveland Browns were doing all they could to limit the big play effect, yet Mahomes still dices them up because he's just one of the best at what he does, regardless if it's the deep ball, the intermediate game, or the short game. They just know what to do, and they have all the pieces to be able to do that. Travis Kelsey has been fantastic this season. I've been singing his praises since like week six, but the last two games alone, because that those those two teams have a, the Browns and the Bills have been covering deep. The last two games alone, Travis Kelsey totaled 200 plus yards and three touchdowns in just two games. He has been on a historic pace. He already broke George Kittle's single season tight end record. And if you know the the Bucks are really in a situation where they got their hands tied. Like, what does defensive coordinator Todd Bowles do in this situation? Like, regardless of what you do, if you defend underneath, if you go off of the last two games, off the game script, how those have gone, you defend underneath, Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman are just going to feast. They're going to burn your young secondary deep, and it's it's going to be 28-0 to before halftime. So then if you go with the season-long consensus, let's take away the deep ball, let's try and make Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins, who, you know, he's been gone for a couple of weeks, but he's back now, um, Q Drake, uh, if, 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 they, if you cover underneath, or I'm sorry, if you cover deep to defend against those guys, then Travis Kelsey is just headed to his third consecutive 100-yard effort. It is a tall order for this Buccaneers defense, this young Buccaneers defense at that. I love this Devin White kid at linebacker, but when you're when you're talking about covering Travis Kelsey, I mean that's a tall order. And you know, this kid, this this Devin White, he's he's got sideline to sideline speed. That's what they were, you know, touting about him ever since he came out of LSU two years ago. 
But it, Travis Kelsey is about as good as you can get, man. Outside of George Kittle, Kelsey is the cream of the crop at the tight end position. What's going to be key for this Tampa Bay defense and this this Tampa Bay team as a whole is that they're they're going to have to get it done up front, and they are in a great position to do so. On paper, both of their lines, the offensive line and their defensive line, are at an advantage, and it, it, it starts with the defensive line. Like We're on that subject. Let's just start there. This Tampa Bay defensive line has been so good this postseason. Now, they, they took a little bit of a step back, um, at the or during the season, uh, based off of how they had done last year, I'd mentioned at the top of this program or this uh, this episode that Shaq Barrett last year he led the league in sacks. I think it was like eighteen, nineteen plus or something like that. Phenomenal job. He led the league in sacks, but he had come down to earth a little bit this season. Enter the playoffs, Shaq Barrett. Jason Pierre-Paul and then rookie Vita Vea, who is returning for the playoffs um, from a fractured ankle, they have been wreaking absolute havoc on the NFC ever since the playoffs started. I mean, the Green Bay Packers, they have debatably the best offensive line in the entire league, yet the Tampa Bay defense pounded them to the tune of five sacks and double-digit pressures on one of the best players in the league, Aaron Rodgers. This this defensive line is about as good as it can get, and it got so much better with Vita Vea, their rookie defensive tackle, returning to the lineup. So that, that is going to be a huge factor in this game for Tampa Bay. They need to be able to cause pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and they need to be able to keep him in the pocket. Usually, if especially, I mean, let's, let's take Tom Brady, for example. If you get a quarterback outside the pocket, usually you are doing something right. They can't operate as well outside of the pocket, but Patrick Mahomes isn't one of those guys. I mean, he's almost twice as deadly outside of the pocket than he is inside, and that's that's saying something for as good as Patrick Mahomes is. So the, the Chiefs have their work cut out for them as far as the offensive line is concerned, and they're pretty banged up too. The last week, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago against the Bills, they lost uh, left tackle Eric Fisher to a torn Achilles. Uh, their right tackle Mike Remmers, he's been banged up. Um, they have been playing extremely well given their lackluster talent on the offensive line, but it's not the best matchup on paper, and they are really going to have to overperform in order to stand up against this Tampa Bay defense, which is, like I've said, it's it's just it's just playing extremely well right now. And even even Mahomes know that this knows that this defensive line is going to be a problem. This week at a media day for the Super Bowl, he fielded a question from some reporter about what do you need to do? This is a reporter. What do you need to do in order to win this game? And Mahomes had a simple response. He goes, I need to get the ball out quickly. He understands this defensive line that he's going against. Jason Pierre-Paul was, was a star player when he was with the New York Giants. This was before he blew his hand off in a 4th of July accident. Um, and, and But he has, he has stepped up since joining Tampa Bay's defense. Shaq Barrett has been a revelation. Vita Vea has been fantastic. They have other pieces in the back end, especially Devin White that they bring on blitzes a lot. They are a great pass-rushing team. And if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to cause some problems up front with Mahomes and with all the pieces at their disposal. They certainly have that capability. Let's flip to the other side of the of the line now. Let's let's reverse these roles. So Tampa Bay on offense and Kansas City on defense. The outlook does not look any brighter for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Bucks 
are the significantly better units on the on the line than the Chiefs are on the defensive line. I mean, the Chiefs, they, they have Chris Jones, one of the best D tackles in the game. He's been phenomenal this season, uh, as expected. He was second in the NFL in pressure percentage this season. But everyone else, like Frank Clark, like they have all underperformed. And I, I know that Clark ha- got, a, got a sack last week, and they've been generating some pressure uh, via their uh, their pass rush, or I'm sorry, their, um, their blitzes. But if they're not blitzing, they are not generating any pressure on the quarterback right now. And, and that's a problem, especially for how good that Tom Brady has been playing this season. I mean, uh, the number one way to limit Tom Brady's effectiveness from a defensive perspective perspective is to get him uncomfortable in the pocket and the Chiefs have been able to do that this season but only when they are bringing the house and rushing more than their standard three to four rushers the Chiefs brought the house which is you know six plus pass rushers on 18 percent of drop dropbacks this year that's the highest rate in the league and it's because they cannot generate any pressure with their given three to four pass rushers that they have up front and against teams like in their in their division they're playing uh drew lock uh you you can do that against him Derek carr you can do that against him against these other middling to below average quarterbacks you can do that because then you're testing them you're daring them to attack your secondary you can't do that against tom brady not this season, not the way that he has been playing this year. He, he, I've mentioned a couple of times that he has struggled with the deep ball in the middle portion of this season, but ever since they went on their week 12 bye and they came back in week 13, I mean, they haven't lost a game. And a big reason for that is because Tom Brady has been playing exceptional football. And I don't need to go into how great Tom Brady is. I feel like I do that on every single episode but if the Chiefs can't generate any pressure on Brady with their front four, I think it's going to be a long night for them, and Brady, he's just going to pick them apart. He really is. He's as good as Legereus Sneed and Tyron Matthew have played this season, and Eric Sorensen and Bashad Breland. This is Tom Brady, man. And Before, when he was saying that he wanted to play till he was 45, I wasn't so sure. Now, you know, that's just quarterback speak. You know, they're really cocky. They think they can do anything, but, man, this is unprecedented. It's something like we've seen with Brady, him at 43 doing what he's doing. So they're going to have to generate some pressure up front. Otherwise, they're leaving their secondary out to dry. Now, with that being said, outside of the front four of the Chiefs defense, the rest of this de- uh, Chiefs defense has been playing pretty well this postseason. I mean, Eric Sorensen, the Chiefs safety, was flying around two weeks ago, talking trash with Stefan Diggs. I've mentioned Tyron Matthew and Legereus Sneed playing extremely well. They do have the pieces to be able to to get it done and defend against Tom Brady, but it's it's going to be tough against this offensive cast that Brady has at his disposal. Uh, You know, you have the usual suspects here, the usual cast of characters, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Scooter Miller, uh, Scotty Miller. Uh, Scooter's his nickname. Don't worry, I didn't just pull that out of my ass. Um, And on top of that, Antonio Brown, who's missed, you know, the last couple of weeks, he's officially questionable for the game with that knee injury. I'd expect him to play and offer yet another piece for Tom Brady to be able to throw to. It is, it's, it's a tall order for Chiefs defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo 
like what do you do here it's it's he's finally getting a taste of his own team's medicine because every other defense that faces the Chiefs it is a pick your poison team what do you do do you defend against Tyreek Hill or do you defend against Travis Kelsey if so then Sammy Watkins or McCole Hardman or Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be or Demarcus Robinson it's the perfect Shakespearean like plot line because they are so used to doing this to other teams and now it's probably going to happen to them as well because there's so many cast of characters that they have to defend against and that as good as they have played I do question whether they're going to be able to do that and this does this does segue awfully well into my prediction of this game and I know they did not go so well during the conference championship weekend and like I picked the bill. I'm sorry. Yeah, I picked the Bills over the Chiefs. Didn't go my way. Picked the Packers over the Buccaneers. Didn't go my way. I can't stray away from my tactics because it was only one prediction. It was one week. I have to stick to it. And it's easy for anyone to go out there and say Patrick Mahomes is going to win this game. He's he's the best player in the NFL. He's the best quarterback in the league right now. He's got the most most talent. He's got the best skill set we have ever seen out of a quarterback. I do believe that. I don't think I've seen any other quarterback play as well as Patrick Mahomes has. He has the talent that can have him play at the same rate that Tom Brady does if age doesn't get to him. I do believe that, but this isn't just any other game. This isn't Patrick Mahomes against the Jets, against the Broncos, uh, against the Falcons. Like, this is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they do segue, the Tampa Bay Bucks do, they do segue between, like, not segue, they oscillate between playing great football one week and bad football another week, back and forth, but they have been playing so well this this postseason. I think their front seven is going to cause major problems for the Chiefs' offensive line, especially since, you know, this postseason they got Vita Vea back. They have been better against both the pass and the run game, uh, almost double, doubling their sack rate and allowing le- over a full yard per carry less when Vita Vea is on the field. Um, their defense, I, with all of that, I think they're going to be playing extremely well against Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then with the way that Brady has been playing, I, th- I think he understands that the Chiefs are much better at getting to the quarterback when they blitz the house, when they are sending six-plus pass rushers. I think he is going to understand that he needs to get the ball out of his hands quickly. He has the weapons to do that. And because of that, I'm going to say that I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this game. I, I think they do. I think they are the better team in all phases of the game, uh, on offense and in de- on defense. They have all the right players. I think it's a bad matchup for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think that is going to prevent the Chiefs from hanging in this game. I do believe in Patrick Mahomes. He is going to make this close, but I think that Bruce Arians' squad does just enough to get by, and I do think that we get 30-plus from both teams. Final score, Tampa Bay Buccaneers win this game 34-30. to Am I crazy? Maybe. Maybe I am. I mean, I'm picking against the best quarterback in the league who's going to be the best quarterback for years to come, but it's I, I got to go with the better team here. And I, I've been battling with this for the last two weeks ever since these conference championship games were played, but I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I wanted to pick the best quarterback early on, um, or the better quarterback, I should say, which was Patrick Mahomes. But after doing this, after doing this for a while, or like thinking this game over, just I, I can't, I can't 
root against the better team. They are, yes, the defense, the Tampa Bay defense has been, you know, kind of flip-flopping on when they decide when they want to play well and when they don't, but they are playing impeccably right now uh, in this playoff run. And then you add in the intangibles too. Let me, real, real quick, I'm going to touch on this before I get out of here. It's the first game that Tampa Bay is playing at home. Now, it's not like it's going to be all their fans. It's, you know, it's a hodgepodge of fans around the league, whatever, uh, the limited fans at that, but they're still at home. They still get to sleep in their own beds. They don't have to travel. That is a factor. And then, on top of that, a week and a half ago, we saw the report that Tom Brady, he's at home alone for these last two weeks. His team, or I'm sorry, his team, his family, which I guess is his team, his family is out of the house. They're in California for the last two weeks. You're telling me Tom Brady has 12 straight days of watching film and you want me to go against him in that? I can't do it. He's going to have 100 hours of film under his belt for this game. I can't vote against him. I got to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It would not surprise me whatsoever if the Chiefs pulled this off, though. They have the better quarterback. They have the better offensive weapons. They're just not sound in all phases of the game like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. So I'm, I'm going with the Bucs. Go TB12. Well, guys, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm just hoping. I really, regardless, the 34-30, regardless if that is the Buccaneers or maybe if it's the Chiefs, I don't care. Let's get a 30-plus game, right, guys? Like, let's get a game to remember here that the conference championship games weren't all that they were cracked up to be. The Tampa Bay-Green Bay game was a little bit better, made it a little more exciting when Brady threw three picks in the second half. Um, but the the Chiefs game, the Chiefs and Bills game was not that great. Let's get a Super Bowl to remember. Okay, last year was not, well, I mean, that was that was a great Super Bowl, actually. Uh, I mean, the 49ers were leading the Chiefs, and the Chiefs came back in the second half. That was a great game. But then the year before that with the Rams and the Patriots, that wasn't a good game. I think that ended 13-3. to Let's get a game to remember here, and we can close out the 2020 season on a high note. So, I don't know. I'm hoping for it. All right, guys, that's all I got. One game took uh, about 26 minutes, so I <laughs> I appreciate y'all who uh, listened in throughout the entirety of this episode. I really do appreciate it. Let's get a excellent game this Sunday. Um, I hope all is well with all of you guys. So thank you again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Stay safe, mask when necessary, and remember to show compassion and kindness to those around you. You never know what they may be going through. I'm Ethan Cassini, signing off. Until Super Bowl Sunday! Mm-hmm.